Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Billboard Charity Podcast, Gary Trust, Billboard Senior Director of Charts. And hey guys, it's Trevor Anderson, a chart manager here at Billboard. Special third voice in this week from Atlantic Records, John McMahon. Good to be here with, be here with you guys. So uh, this is either the third or fourth time I you've think been it on. The fourth. I was thinking about it, talking to someone uh, earlier this morning, and I think there was three. We did one around the Bruno album, one around the Ed album, and then one around Finesse. At least I got the address right today. <laughs> Not true, but close enough. Yeah, we, we moved uh, buildings, which uh, we've mentioned on the podcast. And the, the cool thing I thought this would be so simple is uh, we're now pretty much uh, about a block away from Atlantic. Very close. And, of course, you wind up walking about 10 blocks east and <laughs> 10 blocks back west. Thought I was headed back to Grand Central to go home. <laughs> you you got to hang out with us. My pleasure. So, uh, yeah, we'll get into all things uh, Atlantic Records. Uh, as always, when you're here, John, busy stuff going on in the charts. Ed Sheeran, Ava Max, both in the top 10 of the Billboard Hot 100 this week. A big week for Lizzo and really just continuing uh, the upward trend she's been having. And so many more new Cardi B music we're going to ask you. Uh, so, so we're taping this on uh, Wednesday the 29th. We know there's... Uh, new Cardi B music coming at the end of the week. We're going to ask you everything you can tell us about that coming up. Of course. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we mentioned uh, Ed Sheeran and Ava Max, both in the top 10 of the Billboard Hot 100. This is what it sounds like. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Number 10. Oh, sweet but a psycho, a little bit psycho. Number nine. I promise that you'll never find another like me. I'm the only one of me. Baby, that's the fun of me. Number eight. Look what you made me do. I'm somebody. Ooh, baby, baby, I'm dancing with a stranger. Look what you made me do. I'm somebody new Ooh, baby, baby I'm dancing with a stranger Number seven Then you're left in the dust Unless I stuck by you You're on 
Road number one this week again on the Billboard Hot 100. Little Nas X featuring Billy Ray Cyrus. Uh, the long awaited music video that everyone had been waiting that he teased and talked about and hinted and suggested and threw screenshots out on Twitter finally came out a little while ago on May 17th. This is the first week of the charts where the video has its full impact. So we're talking the streams back, back, back up to 130 million for the week, which is the second best week ever. If you guys remember, hopefully you do. We've talked about it a lot on the podcast. The uh, record that Old Town Road set uh, maybe a couple months ago at this point, 143 million streams, topping Drake's In My Feelings, which held the record before. So Old Town Road back up with streaming feels like it's got a got a, another long haul, maybe, maybe in it. Probably not. Probably not the news that John wants to hear uh, with Old Town Road on, on Columbia Records. Um, but when you, when you see something like this, I mean, this is one of those things that, and there have been a, probably a lot of number ones that I don't think people really saw coming this year. Shallow seemed like it had kind of you know been here and gone. When when the Oscar moment happened, the Jonas Brothers return was was kind of one of those. Okay, this is this is happening. Old Town Road has to be the one that you know if you saw this coming last year, you made a great bet in Vegas and you're probably living in a, as a millionaire right now. When you guys see a song like this come out of nowhere, you know, and, and you see what it's doing on, on traction and Atlantic actually has been really good at picking up a lot of these viral hits um, in the past, but this kind of becoming the granddaddy of them all. What conversations are, are happening inside those walls where are we, are people looking at, you know, how do we, how do we get in on a piece of this old town road action that's happening? Not, not necessarily for this particular song, but you know, what artist, what direction, what sound, or... Well, I think that, that there was probably, at a certain stage of its growth in the beginning, a lot of labels looking at it, um, and, you know, it's because it exploded on TikTok, the whole, the country chart, you know, kind of like controversy, if you want to call it that, um, you know, really made people's ears perk up and say, hey, what's going on here? And the streams just exploded. It didn't sound like anything else. Um you know, whether 
it's something that would set a trend. It's hard to say. Um, you know, when something gets so big, and it's such a, it's a great song, but when some, something gets this big, it, it almost um, has a little bit of a, a novelty to it in a way, which which isn't a knock on it at all. Like when you're streaming the number of streams and you have eight weeks of number one, anybody would take that novelty. Um, but, you know, having not heard any other music, I'm not sure, but I think that, you know, smart A&R people would be paying very close attention to see if there might be a trend starting. There's no question about that. And uh, yeah, you mean you just have to respect it. Eight, eight weeks at number one, which I guess I read tied Ariana Grande, right? Yeah, most this year, right? Which is which is unbelievable. And a song that big will you know be a roadblock sometimes for a short time and sometimes for longer to other gigantic songs getting into one. And obviously, you know, we have I don't care with Ed Sheeran and Justin Bieber debuted at number two, and we'll you know. It, Obviously, again this week, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, Old Town Road video is <laughs> a little bit more of a roadblock, yeah. but we have we, we, we can have, hear you. We can hear you gritting your teeth. Hey, listen, we have we have faith in Ed Sheeran. There's no question about that. And this song is is only getting bigger. Like I don't care since the radio airplay, um, you know, started on day one, and we pulled in 184 top 40 stations and every hot AC station and you know, tied records and broke others. Um, we're seeing the metrics on I Don't Care just get bigger. You know, of course, it debuts at number one, but a lot of things debut at number one on iTunes, on streaming charts. And, you know, you've got to look at where you are two weeks down, down the road and three weeks down the road and further to see if it's got, you know, longevity and legs. And I Don't Care, honestly, has just gotten bigger after week one into week two. And we feel like, you know, without getting too egotistical and patting ourselves on the back, we don't want to blow the horn yet. But it feels like it could be, you know, song of the summer. You know, it's that kind of an anthemic reaction with, with, with Ed's fans, with Justin's fans. And the public is speaking loudly on, on this song. So um, question about the timing of all these kind of things. So when you see a song like Old Town Road, and you see, you know, the numbers that it's pulling week in, week out. It's not really, you know, dying off as quickly as maybe some people would like. Um, but when it comes to like like a timing for I Don't Care, was anybody thinking, you know, okay, maybe we should, you know, wait a little bit till this song kind of dies down to give it a better shot to debut at number one? Or, you know, are these things scheduled out so so well and so far in advance that, you know, we have to put it out when we say we're going to put it out? And you know, if if we run into a and in my feelings, if we run into a, a an old town road, that's just that's what we're gonna have to go with. You know, um, I'll get into something that totally addresses that on Lizzo when we talk about Lizzo. But I will tell you this: that you know, Ed is the, probably the preeminent superstar in in music globally, and you know, he's such a brilliant songwriter and such a you know prolific and, you know, a uh, powerful artist, you know, the decisions that he wants to make and that Atlantic in the UK and the US, you know, choose to make are, we're not thinking defensively, you know, we're thinking what's the right timing for him as an artist based on his career. It's not really at all based on anyone else's moves. And um, that really wasn't anywhere on the radar screen is, you know, how do we deflect that? Should we delay it, you know? Because 
we're just concerned about Ed, and we know he's going to perform. And, uh, you know, we'll keep going. Is And if we get to number one, which we hope we we will, you know, we'll we'll never look back and go, hey, we should have waited or we shouldn't have waited. And uh, we feel phenomenal about where we are right now. So, yeah, it wasn't really a concern at all. All right, here's one thing that Ed has the moment that Lil Nas X doesn't. He has two hits at the moment because uh, – because Cross Me is also out at the same time. Uh, so that should have a pretty good debut. Well, Little Nas X has the remix. So, hey, 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 hey come on, man. Yeah, give the man his credit. I mean, I, yeah, I see. He had one and two on Spotify at one point with the, yeah, with the remix. Yeah, for a long time there. I'm trying to say good things about Atlantic. You're back to defending uh, Little Nas X in Columbia. Uh, but yeah, so the other new song is out. Should have a good debut on the Hot 100 next week. Kind of what you did last time with the last album where you put out Shape of You and you also had Castle on the Hill and then uh, Castle on the Hill had its uh, specific radio run afterwards. But uh, is this sort of something that maybe wouldn't have been done in the past to keep putting out yeah, essentially two first singles? It's, uh, it's the thinking. It's a streaming world. There's more immediacy. We can't just go along with the plan we've always had where you just put out one single, let it go for a few months. People have a different uh, appetite when all the music is there in a streaming world. What's the uh, the thinking behind putting out two songs pretty quickly for Ed this time? Well, you know, it's it, on, the, on the last album when Shape came out is the same on the same day, um, literally the same day. That's right. Um, it was it was it was kind of revolutionary at, at the time and risky, you could say. Um, but Shape of You and Castle on the Hill, you know, were such gigantic hits for Ed uh, and for that album that you know. It was a great decision either way. And it was Ed's decision, by the way, because he wanted to put them out on the same day. Um, and so, of course, you know, we go along because it's a brilliant move and no one's going to question Ed Sheeran. Um, and on this one, you know, you've got two completely different songs, both collaborations, which he's never done before as an artist. Um, so it was definitely a departure for him. Um, and one is this, you know, pop anthem with a beat that feels like spring it feels like summer and another one is something that is totally unexpected with chance the rapper and pmb rock nobody could see that coming it was absolutely unexpected so you know the feeling is and certainly i think so and people who comment from radio think so that it just shines a brilliant light on the depth of ed on this album to have two completely you know divergent sounding songs come out but they both represent Ed Sheeran on this um, number six collaborations project album. So it's, um, you know, something that we're really, really proud of to see him make a bold move like that again. How much of the new album have you heard? Just these two songs or more? A few more. A few more. Ooh, what's your favorite? <laughs> <laughs> Wish else, I could tell who you. Else is, uh, who else is going to show up? <laughs> well, you know, the first two, I'm sworn to secrecy, so... July 12th, you know, number six collaborations project will come out. Um, and, you know, having signed an NDA, that's really all I could say, because I like my job. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's going to be a stroke of brilliance, you know, things that people don't anticipate. And just honestly, the genius music, you know, the songwriting you'd expect, next level, you know, he's taking it to another level. Does it sound more? Like I don't care, or more like cross me. There's there's a there's a little bit of everything on there. Honestly, there really is, you know. And I don't I don't want to divulge too much, but you can see the the spectrum of where those songs are. 
you know, somewhere between those two is, you know, basically where he is. It's a little bit of everything, but brilliant. Yeah, we were talking on the podcast last week that uh, we, we really dug into was uh, artists who've really evolved their sounds over their careers. And we started with the Beatles, how they started basically doing uh, bubblegum. And by the end, they were doing psychedelic rock and just so many different acts over the years. Taylor Swift, country to pop. Uh, and we talked about Ed Sheeran, who uh, we sort of had two different thoughts. One was that, yeah, he's really evolved in the sense that he started as uh, sort of a folk singer-songwriter. Now he's working with Chance the Rapper. Uh, the other thing was that he's done it so step by step, album by album, song by song almost that it's kind of, uh, oh, geez, we kind of didn't realize how much uh, he's changed. Do you feel that it's uh, more that, that it's all been a very organic step by step process and the way he's evolved? It's totally organic. It's, you know, we, we, we couldn't anticipate it, but I think that he's also just grown as an artist, you know, from when, you know, he was signed, you know, about eight years ago. And has evolved and, and um, you know, met and got to know so many other great artists and songwriters and seen pop music and, you know, cultural shifts in music occur. And, um, yeah, I just think that's really his just evolution. You know, Ed is no makes no secret that he grew up also, like, being a huge, huge fan of hip-hop, you know, because he's still a young guy. And, and he, had, he had like a speech impediment, I think, too. And that I think he was saying that like rapping a lot helped kind of helped get him, over that. Kind of yeah. helped him through that. He had a big Biggie fan, and uh, you know, so many great you know hip hop icons in the in the history of of uh, the genre. But you know, obviously, it was a big influence on him as a young as a young kid growing up playing guitar. Um, but he had you know many other um, kind of idols in in music that all kind of. Um, influenced his songwriting and you know no one performs like him so you can't say that someone else influenced his performance style no one else is up there on you know MetLife Stadium stage and you know stadiums across the world he's still on tour right now he's in Asia um with just a man and a guitar you know it's pretty revolutionary yeah, talking about the touring, this is a record touring numbers. Uh, you might soon have the all-time record, uh, the Divide Tour. Could pass U2's 360 tour at the beginning of the decade, 736 million. Uh, the Divide Tour is the only, it's only the second tour ever to hit over 600 million. And uh, him and his guitar, it's pretty crazy. But in, in some ways, it sounds like you're not surprised at all because of his talent and his, his versatility. Well, the first time that um, that I saw him, that a lot of my you know friends who I work with at Atlantic saw him was at um, Mercury Lounge in New York City. You know, probably 200 people. You know, it was basically a, like a early introduction to the company, to people we wanted to bring out to see him. And, you know, he blew the roof off. And then saw him not long after when A-Team was, you know, really becoming a thing at Irving Plaza. And I think we talked about this on the previous podcast, but... You know, we brought in a lot of radio programmers from around the country to see him. And it was really, couldn't have scripted it any better when all these people that are really not sure and are skeptical, this Ed Sheeran, this A-Team song, not sure about this, should we play it? And you walk in and the entire Irving Plaza is all young girls screaming, we want Ed, we want Ed. And then he blew the roof off of that place and went into the middle of the crowd and played Irish folk songs for 30 minutes and you could hear a pin drop. Um so, you know, to see him go from that to see him on a stadium stage, but still command it 
and command the audience and feel like he's at home up there. He's not alone. He's like filling the stadium with his, you know, brilliance um, is is really remarkable. And uh, not to say I wouldn't, I'd love to see him do smaller venues again too, because the, the more intimate it is, you get a closer kind of feeling for how, you know, what a great performer he is. So when when this announcement comes that number six collaborations project is what he wants to work on, is that does that send alarm bells through the hall? Are people thinking, you know, because he's like I said, he's done a lot of solo material. It's this is his first collaborations project since he became a superstar, or is this just you know part of the landscape where you know it feels like everybody's really open to collaborations and, and genre fusion and that kind of thing? And is this something that instead everyone is really yeah, let's give us a shot. It could definitely work. You know, I asked that question um, in in in, the, in a meeting not long ago with you know some really smart people at Atlantic, um, just basically saying you know people weren't expecting this. You know what? Wow! And uh, one of the answers, which was really brilliant, is hey, hey, look if if the music wasn't that great, it'd be risky. It'd be like whoa, what's going to happen? How is it going to be received? But the music is so good that there's no risk involved whatsoever because it's just brilliant anything she needs she can call me don't worry about it that's my seed oh, that's all me just know if you cross her then you cross me cross me cross me if you if you if you if you cross her then you cross me and nobody's coming close yeah and i think that you should know that if you cross her anything she needs she can call me you cross me right here First listen on each one. I don't care. And and cross me. It uh, it hit me. Yeah, you you have two. You have two lead singles from an album that it totally feels like this is the return of Ed Sheeran in a big way. It doesn't feel like it's uh, is this just a holdover until his next real album? Exactly that. He came out with two, uh, maybe two serious contenders for Song of the Summer. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the um, I don't care single when it dropped, like basically about three weeks ago. Um, it went on every top 40 station, like I said, in hot AC and a ton of rhythmic stations. And, and you know, both of them did just – the second one on top of the first one, I should say, did just explode. There were stations like Z100 New York and Kiss in LA and Wild in San Francisco um, that uh, were pounding, some of them in power rotation on both songs across the country, which is very unusual Yeah, um, because there's – a thing called going up the charts too fast. And it happens to some really credible, great artists from time to time on songs that don't have the legs ultimately that, you know, people around them wish that they would, but there's no doubt that I don't care having, you know, had such a short life so far, but there's a lot of metrics to read and you can see the public's reaction to it is only getting bigger and cross me just again, like you said, um, and it's super appreciated to hear your thoughts on that, like with that kind of appreciation for it. They, they could be the two songs of the summer. I hope you're right. I yeah. believe you are. With uh, Shape of You and Castle on the Hill, they both did come out on the same day, but you worked them very separately to radio. Uh, Castle was really the true follow-up at radio. Uh, is I Don't Care and, and Cross Me, they're both, you're working them both 
to pop ready. We've seen uh, Ariana Grande in the last six months or so have that success where she can have two or three singles at once to top 40. It kind of feels like radio is being a little bit more open to, yeah, we'll play a couple songs by the same artist. If that's what people want, uh, things are changing again uh, as streaming kind of changes uh, the whole dynamics of everything. Yeah, that's that's. Very correct. That's totally correct. The the smart programmers, and there are lots of them out there, um, are very open and honest about saying that, you know, they look at streaming. It's, it's, it's not really – it's not exactly a competitor to radio. In some ways it is, but most people when they get in their car are listening to the radio. A lot of people are streaming from their device in their car, but most people are listening to the radio when they're in their car. And um, – Programmer. You uh, you can come back in ten years and tell me that's still. I'm that's, not saying yeah. in ten years. I'm not saying. I'm not saying. Gary Gary gave me this look because Gary's he's a you know he's he's a, he's a radio stand so he's like you know it's I, it, it's also I, a it's also a New York versus other parts of the country thing too where no one commutes in their car in New York the same way like they do pretty much everywhere else. That's true, but it's a big country with 330 million people. Um, Although they, I agree with the ten year, I have no idea. It's yeah, I'm tell, these, it's, the newer car, the, the people get these Teslas yeah. and things. It's going to be game. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't disagree with you, Trevor, at all. But I saw a recent statistic from a study that said that Americans, a two hundred and sixty something million Americans, listen to the radio at some point every week, and about sixty five to seventy million people stream every week. So Sorry. not not all two hundred and sixty. Million people who are in their cars are the ones putting on the radio station. Someone else might be controlling, you know, whether it's listening to music or listening to a traffic report. But as far as radio's, um, you know, still profound influence on the way people discover music, the way people listen to music, it still has a, a really big footprint on, you know, on culture and the way that people consume music. Um, so I think that the... The smart programmers are looking at streaming and they're seeing, do I let Spotify and Apple own this moment when CrossMe comes out or when, you know, Seven Rings comes out? They'd be crazy to let them own it. So they're saying, let's go in. We can play to the old rules of radio have changed. There used to be separation of artists. You wouldn't play two females back to back. All these antiquated rules that were absurd now but seemed smart because someone who was respected at the time many people consultants and you know famous pds back in the day had these rules and so the people that came up under them thought that's the way you do it this is what the we're speaking for the culture we will dictate how people listen to music and what their tastes will be and now it it's all changed because of streaming because the public is letting us know right away that a song like Little Nas X, A Guy in Country Boots, has a song that youth across America are voraciously consuming. Um, and that two Ed Sheeran songs can be, you know, loved by tens of millions of people across the country the moment that it comes out. And you can watch it happen in real time. So I think that that is the, it's not in the future, it's now. But it's going to be, experience more with the superstars like Ed and Ariana than it will be with, with newer acts because, you know, their um, notoriety, their prolific, you know, they haven't established themselves yet. It's going to be harder to take that as seriously as you would Ed Sheeran. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Oh, she's sweet but a psycho, a little bit psycho. At night she's screaming, I'm on my mind, on my mind. Oh, she's hot but a psycho, so left but she's right though. At night she's screaming, I'm on my mind, on my mind. All right, back at the top ten, we heard the very first time in the top ten. This is perfect timing for you to be here, John. Ava Max, sweet but psycho. So, uh, Broken Europe first, number one for a month in the UK earlier this year. It really seems to me, you tell me if this is the case, just a a traditional steady build for a good, incredibly catchy song that uh, nothing gimmicky about it, just a good song that maybe the more people heard it, they realized this is one of the catchiest songs this year or really in in a lot of years, I think. Yeah, it it was was such a pleasant surprise to see it first take off in Europe, um, which – Oftentimes, like, we'll put out songs globally simultaneously because it's a global world and in the age of Spotify, today's top pitch, which is a global playlist and so impactful on, you know, songs' success oftentimes. Um, It was a little bit of a departure to have this song go in Europe first. Um, And it started in, uh, in Sweden and in Norway and started really blowing up there on Spotify and streaming. Uh, and then it crossed to the other countries in Europe and the UK, and it just kept going and going and going. And we were uh, about to put it out, thinking about the date that we would put it out um, in the U.S. And then it got added to today's top hits, and we had to really think about that in terms of our timing. So we started working at a Top 40 radio, and as we're working at a pop radio – all of a sudden, it's just exploding globally. Now, it's number one Spotify. It's number one um, on all the European airplay charts. Number one Shazam worldwide for week after week after week. And that was a great kind of companion story for us as the song was starting to take off in the U.S. And it's, it's not like it exploded here either. It had, a, it had an evolution. It got on the radio and we had to convince people and, you know, really sell the story. It wasn't, it was, it didn't walk on the radio. Um, so when you say convince people, sell the story, what is, what is that like for this song? Um, it's basically telling them that global story that I just laid out about the success in country after country after country. Um, in number one iTunes globally, number one Spotify globally, number one Shazam globally. It's hard to ignore that. And it was, I think the, the reason that it was a little bit more of a sell, so to speak, was because no one had ever heard of Ava Max. She was, literally unknown 
eight months ago globally. So, and you know, she had just started to get a fan base going. Um, she wasn't co-signed by someone. She didn't come up under some artist or right. you know had a you know anything that was saying, "Hey, kids are going to love women," or you know, the public is going to love this artist. It was really about this song that was a big European hit, but it did react once it got on the radio. Here, Shazam was a, a driver. It started selling. We went from, you know, not in the top 100 on iTunes to charting at top 40 radio, seeing big growth at pop radio. All of a sudden, it's getting huge local ranks on iTunes. And even though iTunes isn't the, you know, anywhere near what it used to be in terms of units that they, you know, people download, it's obviously almost all about streaming. It still is a local indicator for radio stations to go. I put Sweep It Cycle on the radio in Denver in Los Angeles, in San Francisco. And now I'm seeing a song that wasn't in the top 100 that's number 35, and the following week it's number 21, and then it's number 16. And that helped tell the story to programmers that they made the right call and give them confidence to move it up. And, um, yeah, so we're sitting inside the top three now in the U.S., at Top 40 Radio, and, uh, you know, number one's are not easy, but it, to have it at number three so far and still climbing on her first single is really an achievement. One of the storylines we've uh, talked about here at Billboard with this song is, and, and it's one of the highest compliments that a lot of our editors can give is that it sounds, it sounds like 2000s, uh, the Lady Gaga comparisons, that it just got this big hook and it's so pop. Uh, were any programmers a little weary of that in an era where Top 40 music is a little more down-tempo. It's not uh, let's hit you over the head with this big pop hook that could have been a hit in the 80s. It just has this timeless hook about it. Uh, were there any programmers who said, gee, I don't know if this sounds exactly like 2019? At the same time, we're seeing a song like Sucker by the Jonas Brothers. Same kind of thing. Maybe this is all part of a resurgence a little bit after after a little time when maybe this wasn't quite uh, the course on. Yeah, it was, it was interesting that there were some programmers who heard it and said, this is different. I'm not sure. And there was a whole nother wing of programmers that said, this doesn't sound like anything else I'm playing. I need to balance my station. I'm playing too many other yeah. mid-tempo, you know, kind of EDM, down-tempo pop songs with, you know, hip-hop core, you know, hooks. Or I'm playing, you know, too much of something that just needs a little balance to it. And, and this song played that role as well, for sure. It's a great traditional story, too, of uh, an artist who just grows up uh, singing Mariah Carey in the car and her family uh, sees her talent. They move from Virginia to L.A. She networks. She meets a circuit at a party. Here's her singing Happy Birthday. He runs it producing and co-writing. Sweet But Psycho, it feels like, uh, as you were saying, just a very traditional, a lot of hard work, a lot of talent. Sometimes that's really what you need for a story. Yeah. I mean, she is – I remember bringing her up to um, Z100 in the very, very early days with circuit and um you know she performed for um the pd mark medina and Kara Hahn and a bunch of people at the station and even in her you know little sound check that she did before in their um you know performance space her voice is just so powerful like she really sings i mean this girl can sing um so circuit who's a you know kind of a one of the hottest producers in pop music for a bunch of years now you know, number one hits from The weekend and Katy Perry and Miley Cyrus and a lot of other big, 
hit songs that he's he's written and produced um to have him just talking offline to him have the confidence in her as an artist having kind of helped um you know weave together the albums and the um the hits of so many other big artists that were had emerged over the last like 8 or 10 years gave us a a lot of confidence that wow like he's a really smart guy like this guy's made really big hits and he believes in her and he's a great songwriter and he's going to work on you know most if not all of her album with her that gave us an incredible amount of confidence that you know we could really break an artist with Ava Max album coming on the way as well at yeah she's, she's she's still recording um, they're recording together so am I is out internationally and is um, top five on the European European airplay charts and you know, it's a big profile on Shazam and on Spotify and Apple in so many countries overseas. We haven't worked it here in the U.S. because we're still like totally in the fight at uh, radio on Sweep It Psycho. But you know, it's definitely coming. And then she'll you know work and finish an album, and at some point, I would imagine later this summer, you know, she would you know put out an album. Top 10, another milestone this week for Atlantic, for Lizzo, her first top 40 hit on the Hot 100. Truth Hurts, up to number 38. What's your favorite part about the Lizzo story? There's so many things we can talk about, but first thing that comes to mind when you think about her right now. Okay. So uh, when Trevor, I said I wanted to allude to something about, you said, you know, this, this, these decisions made, you were talking about Ed Sheeran and, you know, Little Nas X and the timing of when we put it out. Um the, one of the greatest things that I'm so proud of about, you know, Atlantic Records is that, you know, we see the smoke and the heat on things and you know when to go, you know, or you know when to pivot, which isn't which isn't very often. Um, and, you know, Juice was doing incredibly well. Um, you know, Lizzo went out on her tour, sold a ton of tickets um, like 6,800 tickets in New York among three dates and almost that many in LA. So we knew that she had real fans. This is before Juice was a hit. She didn't have a radio hit. And Juice got on the radio. We said, we all believe that we have a star on our hands. We believe that we have a hit on our hands. And let's all go. The whole company, let's go. And Juice just really came out with a bang. You know, all these massive stations across the country putting it in, an incredible, you know, publicity rollout, you know, digital marketing. Everyone in the company really stepped up um, because we knew we had a moment here. And as Juice was climbing at, at Pop Radio, even just recently, it was up a few hundred spins um, two weeks ago. And we looked at this growth coming off of Truth Hurts. People were shazamming the song in the movie at this powerful point in the scene in the movie and also the promos that Netflix was running, it was the following week, it was number one Shazam in the U.S. And everyone was like, holy, what is going on here? And so we thought, we already have juice running. Let it roll and we'll read this and see how it goes. Um, and we decided, let's, let's think about working it, you know, at the rhythmic format, 
while we work Juice over here at Top 40. And we could have really two songs going at the same time. Truth Hurts just it literally exploded. Like something I haven't even seen before from a brand new artist while you're working a different song. Um, and so we said to ourselves, wow, we can have two hits, but we might just have one really gigantic hit and another one underneath it. And that's what we decided to do. And so many radio stations, you know, Z100s and Kiss in LA and, you know, both stations in Chicago, B96 and Kiss, all these programmers were really smart and um, read the tea leaves, look at their local streaming metrics. Um, it, it, that week when we said, okay, we got to go after this one too, it was top, top number five on Spotify. It was top five on Shazam. It was, you know, seven or eight on Apple Music. And this is before we actually went for the song at radio. And now, last I looked this morning, it's number six on Spotify, six on Apple, and six on um, iTunes. Six, six, six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if that that um, is, is what I'm probably most just blown away by and proud of is that, you know, Atlantic is such a, you know, forward thinking company that we didn't just say, no, we got to keep working juice. That's a hundred percent on juice, zero on truth hurts because we've committed to just work juice. We said we can work them both. And if one is just so much bigger than the other, we know where the heat seeking missile is going. Similar with Billie Eilish over on yes. Interscope, how uh, When the Party's Over was the top 40 single and it just same kind of thing. Seemed like the people uh, decided, you know, we think bad guy maybe is the single. So it's uh, sort of like uh, Truth Hurts is the bad guy to put the kind of parallel. It's a that. good analogy. It's a very, very good analogy because, you know, I, when Bad Guy came out, the, you know, the streams were enormous. And then when the Party's Over came out, top 40 single. And, you know, at the time it was probably when they made the decision and I can't speak for them. Um, but it probably felt they, like they had two hits in their hands. So figuring out the order sometimes isn't that easy, but they're really, you know, they're, they're in a great place now where they have two songs that the public are showing that, you know, they have two hot songs at the same time from also a brand new artist, which, you know, you, you raised a great analogy um, in Lizzo. And I mean, those would probably be certainly the, the two exceptions to the rule, the you know, the recent change in not just strategy, but the way that, you know, programmers approach big hits and how many they can play at the same time. That, uh, you know, a Lizzo and a Billie Eilish are getting two looks simultaneously at radio is definitely a new wave. What is Lizzo like in person? Oh I gotta know. Because, I mean, you just, you just get it from the Twitter feed and the Instagram, like yeah. it just jumps off the screen is she like that in real life she is she really is i mean she is like a ball of fire she's she is incredibly warm and great to be around i mean honestly like a really really good person and just very very funny um you know had her in an interview with a radio station she did a great interview you know we got off she got off the air and the pd was there in san francisco and the and the host that interviewed her and they were both like, that was incredible radio right there. What a great moment. Um, and then, 
and, and an, on another visit, she did an interview on a podcast. And a podcast like this is not FCC regulated. So she mm-hmm. was, uh, yeah, definitely irreverent, but extremely yeah. funny. Um, you know, you can see her Instagram. I mean, her with the, you know, Mark Jacobs outfit going to uh, the airport the day after the Met Gala was one of the coolest things I think anyone has seen in a long time. So when it comes to someone like Lizzo, because I feel like a lot of people, and one of my favorite things about her is that she just defies all these stereotypes that people would assume, you know, maybe if they just saw a picture of her, they'd think, oh, she probably, you know, is a Jennifer Hudson type or sings R&B or gospel or whatever. And I mean, you hear songs like Truth Hurts, which is, it's like half comedy, half rap. Is there any, with pop radio, any hesitance from anybody because she, you know, is doesn't really check all these boxes and, you know, it's hard to sort of label her and market her. Is that is that something that now we're finally past having those kind of things or are people still, you know, she does R&B, she does kind of pop, she does rap. I just don't know if she's, you know, if we, if we can go all in because we don't know if she's really all in for our genre. She's 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 kind of um, like one of these artists that breaks the mold. For sure. Oh, yeah. You know, and I'd like there are you know, times when, you know, you go to a radio station, they say, hey, that's not our lane, right? But Lizzo kind of created her own lane. Um, you know, when you when you hear Truth Hurts, you know, you don't say, hey, that sounds like a top 40, you know, smash. Oh, that sounds like an urban smash or rhythm smash. But, you know, when when you look at the way her fans react live, how many tickets she sells, the instant reaction of Truth Hurts, um, on every platform, immediate and like meteoric rise, she's broken the mold in a number of ways that artists generally don't have the opportunity to do. And her acceptance has, you know, been, you know, something we're we're proud of, and it's it's nice to see. It's great to see that radio, you know, has an open mind and is willing to take chances. You know, sometimes. It's yeah. good to see. Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely, I think the rise of Lizzo was one of my already favorite 2019 stories because this is just someone who just is exactly right for for the cultural, for the sonic moment. This is this just the timing is incredible. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is. And there's no there's no real end in sight. Like she sold out her U.S. tour in this in this in the spring that um, was just ended, and she has a tour fall tour scheduled, and she's selling out. Huge venues. She just sold out, you know, two nights at Radio City. That's like, you know, 13,000 seats. It's an awful lot of seats. Um, and these big venues are selling out literally on the pre-sale dates. So, uh, you know, she'll have sold the equivalent of more tickets in 2019 than are seats in Madison Square Garden. Pretty remarkable. People are not realized too. She's classically trained. She's she's got more talent than than you even realize when you uh, go deeper into her story. She does. Th- she did a uh, what was the Ron Burgundy challenge, and he you know found out you know she was a flautist, <laughs> and um, it, you know, there was a scene in um, Anchorman where Ron Burgundy is in this kind of little lounge, and he gets up on stage and plays the flute, walks on people's tables, and it's totally inappropriate, and it's a very very funny scene. And he did the Lizzo challenge on flute and put it on YouTube and social media. And they had this thing back and forth. And then she did a skit 
that that's on YouTube that you should go watch. It's really funny um, of her doing that scene in the Anchorman. It's hysterical. As a label executive, you must love when you have artists like this who just embrace so many different sides of interacting with people and seem fun and seem relatable. Uh, there are probably sometimes artists you work with who are maybe more uh, the reclusive artist uh, stereotype. This must be the artist you love to work with like this. Yeah, it's it's you know we're we're blessed at Atlantic, quite honestly, because we have some really incredible artists in their own right, just making music, but they also happen to be you know extraordinarily nice people, um, and you know we have we have a lot of them. You know, I mean Ed is such a great guy and Lizzo and Chris Martin and Bruno, they're really, you know, they're, they're great to be around and they're inspiring all at the same time. Um, but yeah, that is one of the, you know, r really powerful, I guess, perks of being in the music industry and working in the record industry at Atlantic to be able to, you know, get time to spend with them and realize that they're actually really nice people at the same time as being superstars. Somebody we've seen rise to superstar ranks very quickly in the past couple years. Uh, Cardi B, got to talk about press. Finally, uh, people have been talking about this song since you put up that Instagram clip months ago. They've been waiting for it. We got money. We got Please Me. Press coming Friday. Um, I assume you've heard the song. Oh, yeah. For sure. Oh, yeah. You have your phone here, John, if you want to play a clip of it. <laughs> Insert it. Batteries, yeah, right. batteries yeah. died. Batteries. <laughs> Batter oh, we got chargers somewhere around here. <laughs> um, okay, so that's three songs that have not been yet on any album. So, I mean, writing's on the wall. There's got to be something with Money, Please Me, and now Press Coming. There have been rumors that it was going to be a deluxe version of Invasion of Privacy. Three tracks feels like it's a little too many. So when is that next album from Cardi B coming? Because I know you know because you're giving me that smile. You're giving me that smile. Hey, there, there's some things left better better left unsaid, Trevor. Uh. No, in all seriousness, obviously she's, you know, loves to record, loves to perform. Her, you know, she's she's come so far, you know, even on the music side, you know, she hasn't missed yet. Every song is, is she's she's had six number ones on the on the seven number ones on the rhythm format, which is really, you know, remarkable when you think that it's only been a little over two years since her debut um, to have that many hits. Um, so she's, yeah, she's always writing and recording. Um, the date of the album, you know, if it's going to come, isn't, honestly hasn't been established. Um, and it's, you know, it's great that she's, in that mode of just putting out music for the fans, though, of just, you know, getting ready, even though coming off of Finesse, coming off of, you know, Please Me. She was just right back in the studio recording because she wants to keep making hits and keep making music for her fans. And, you know, press is not going to disappoint anyone. Obviously, she posted a clip of it on, on Instagram and social media. And there are people who have really been paying attention that get a glimmer of what it's going to sound like. Um, but, yeah, the song is a blowtorch. It's, it really is. And I never have any doubt or lack of confidence in Cardi because every song, literally every song she's put out has been a gigantic, huge hit. Streaming, radio, culturally, and um, uh, YouTube. And this this one is in, you know, just in that same up here level of doing it right every time. It's it, I think it's going to 
come out with a huge bang when it drops. So it sounds probably more in the harder vein. Like I know we heard so many sides of Cardi. You've got more like the Bodak, the money, kind of the harder side. You've got, but you've got like an I like it. You've got the playful side with finesse. It feels like press is probably more in the Bodak money family. If I ha- I can't even can we can we well, even you've, you've heard it on social media. I know, Trevor. but I, I heard like but it was like it was like a small clip. I don't want you know that could be the bridge. That could hey. be a you know that could be a trick. It's not a trick. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's not a trick and it's not the bridge. How about okay, that? Okay, all right, all right. And it's it's just Cardi. It's there's no no guests, no. All solo. Come on, that's uh, easy. Okay, it's Cardi. Okay, it's okay. I was gonna. I was like, <laughs> that some. one. You know, hey, you got finally. Me. You got me. Ed's taking all the collaborators, so I guess nobody's nobody's left. <laughs> now, press press is is definitely fire. It's it's gonna light it up. It's exciting. Okay, we heard, we heard it here first. I'm excited. <laughs> I've I've been waiting for this one for a while. All right, uh, her uh, sometime duet partner, Bruno Mars. Yes. So uh, what's coming up next? And we were we were saying last week on the podcast, uh, the way he's evolved from really pure pop to more uh, R&B and uh, Uptown Funk, kind of channeling uh, the 70s and 80s, and then uh, Versace on the floor and finesse more of the 90s. Uh, does he keep going forward? Are we getting a, a 2000s R&B tribute next? To that same point. Yeah. Does winning all those Grammys, in particular album of the year, does that change the conversation about does that put more pressure on the album? What are we going to do with this? How do you follow up, you know, something that is that critically adored? Well, I think for for, for Bruno, who's who's another, you know, just I, legend at this point, icon that hasn't missed either um, and, you know, set new standards for so many, you know, artists. Um, you know, when we went for 24 Karat Magic and launched that album with the single, first single from the album, 24 Karat Magic – his last, you know, music was Uptown Funk that spent, what, 13, 12 weeks at number one on the Hot 100? 14. 14. You, you, you deny yourself. Okay. You know, being yes. nice. You're being nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was such a standard, a level to try to compete with that, you know, I don't think that it put more pressure on him, and I, I don't really know. But I think that, you know, he's got a lot of self-confidence, Um because, you know, the guy just channels greatness. And so, uh, you know, I don't, I honestly don't know what the direction is going to be for his next project. Um, but, you know, he's, he's, he's been able to, like, grab the, you know, the brass ring every single time. Um, so I have no doubt that whatever direction he goes, again, I think that people will follow. Wherever he goes, it seems to have like a you know a tail behind it that others follow so we'll see don't know the honestly don't know the timing of that and don't know the direction that he'll go in but i think that you know everyone will be happy and i think that everyone you guys too have you know extreme confidence that whatever bruno mars puts out next is probably gonna be pretty damn good so do do we know that he's working or is he is he taking a break or do we even know to that extent what's going on? I don't. I, I know that Bruno is a prolific writer and producer and, and he just loves making music. So, you know, whatever he's cooking up in the lab, who knows? But, you know, I'm sure that he's, you know, constantly in the creative mode. Yeah. Weezy, I Smoking legal. legal. I got more slaps than the Beatles. Beatles. 
running on diesel, dog. Hip hop side uh, as you promote to uh, pop and rhythmic. Uh, Lennox doing really well. You know, of the the not I can't say the newer crop, but you know, we've had an an amazing year um, over the last you know since December. We dropped a Gucci Mane album that had you know huge huge song with you know Bruno and Kodak, um, and then we dropped um, Meek Mill, which was massive going bad obviously one of the biggest hip-hop songs of 2019 it was number one at urban for multiple weeks number one at rhythm for multiple weeks got a ton of pop airplay is almost believe it or not almost a billion audio and video streams combined um but that that song was like a hip-hop explosion you know when it came out you know drake is you know such a genius um, and the two of them together was just like a moment that people were waiting for. And um, he streamed a ton. The album debuted at number one. Um, and then it was followed by a Boogie's album coming out. We put them all back to back within about three weeks of each other. Um, and a Boogie hoodie season just has been, you know, like a force of nature on streaming. The album was has been was top 10 consumption for like over four months. Is yeah, is that like I hate to say it, like this album probably overperformed, I think, in some ways. You know, like, com- compared to like his last album, yeah, the I artist, mean, it yeah. I mean, it took him to a whole nother level um of being like, you know, an A list, you know, hip hop artist. Um, it, it debuted number two, I know, like on the like on the two hundred for a couple weeks. Yes. And then it backed into number one, Correct. which is something that is so rare these days everyone kind of debuts at number one and then just you know you trickle down so right. the fact that that cont- that that growth was there i thought was something i, I didn't exactly see coming just because no one had done it in such a long time right and we were and it was competing with like uh you know meek at the time it was it was really we we're almost competing with ourselves because we had these three enormous albums drop all right on top of each other but it did go back into number one and you know one of the really remarkable uh, stats was that it was almost it was like 99% streaming, you know, in an era when, you know, downloads are, you know, diminishing, um, you know, like almost all of the consumption was, was streaming because that's where kids are. That's where youth culture is. Everyone's got a phone, everyone's got a mobile device and they listen to music on it. And um, yeah, it was, and it was, mul- it's multiple songs. Like it, look back at it is the big hit, you know, number one at, at urban and rhythm and, De- debuted at top 40 recently is having a great run there but uh the streams on it just haven't slowed down um and a song called swervin has also been a gigantic streaming hit um for a boogie on that album and many other songs on it also streamed when we you know you put out albums these days the old days you put out a cd and you didn't know what the biggest hits were in people's cars and living rooms and bedrooms it was hard to tell, right? You had a big album, you'd have a big radio hit, two radio hits. Now you can really see what people are listening to. Um, and there are some albums where there's, you know, one or two songs that are, you know, 95% of the streaming. And there are others, like an Ed Sheeran, where you get like ten, hundreds of millions of streams on every single song off of the project. Um, and for hip hop, A Boogie had multiple songs on his album that got a lot of streams. So it was, it was really great to see him break through with not just, you know, a great, huge first single, 
but an album that made a difference and had impact out there. Anything coming up in the second half of 2019 other than Ed Sheeran that uh, you guys are excited about? Um, you know, we're going to spend a, a, a long time working this this Ed Sheeran album. Um, you know, I can tell you that. And, uh, you know, A Boogie is active, you know, working on new material. All, all the artists we just mentioned, quite honestly, hard to tell what their, you know, timeline are going to be when they drop new music. But, you know, between Cardi and, you know, Meek and A Boogie, like our hip hop side is going to be very well represented. Um, and, you know, Ava, you know, we'll get to So Am I, and she's got another hit that she's, you know, going to get to over in Europe. So the Ava Max project is, is going to be a lot of fun to work. We have Ali Brooke, um, who we had a really good run with on low key at, at pop radio as, you know, her first single emerging in the, in the marketplace after a big, you know, career, um, in fifth harmony. It was, it was really good to see the acceptance there of her. And she's one of the hardest working artists that we've seen in a long, long time, like really is committed to her fans. You show up at, you know, uh, an event, a promotional event with her. She will work the room and take selfies with every kid and every, you know, fan and then do it again and, and just really pays attention to her fans. Um, and she's got a great new song that we just dropped a little, you know, about a week ago um, with a boogie on it called Lips Don't Lie. That's a incredible tempo like it sounds like a big, you know, pop rhythmic anthem f- for the summer. It's really, really, really good. Lips don't lie. I, so Shakira's somewhere. It's um, yeah. It's a, it's it's an homage. <laughs> it's an homage. It doesn't sound like it. Um, it's it actually kind of has a throwback '90s uh, hip hop feel to it, which is really cool. But we have an awful lot of um, confidence that that one will, you know, become something substantial. One more we got to mention um, is is Bozzy. We feel really, really we're excited about Bozzy because he had a year that any new artist would be envious of last year. With mine going to number one at Pop Radio, you know, it was a five six month journey to get there. And was that just la- that was, it was last, last year? year? It feels yes, like it, it was twenty seventeen. Wow, it was last year. Yeah, because we were saying he he might have been in the discussion for uh, best new artist at the Grammys, maybe sure. in a year where pop was maybe a little bit more prominent. Yeah, he, it was really that big. It was last year. It was it, we launched it. You know, in the middle part of January of two thousand eighteen, it started at Rhythmic Radio. It quickly crossed to Pop Radio. You know, four or five months later, it was number one. And that's, you know, an achievement to have a number one. There aren't, you could do the research. There are not that many artists whose debut song goes to number one. It's, it's rare. So, you know, top five is a great achievement. Top three is even better. But number one is like kind of rare. Um, and then Beautiful, he put the single out from the album. Camilla jumped on it, became another huge top five, uh, top 10 hit at top 40 radio for him. Um, and he was a big you know, artists with a streaming footprint last year as well. So um, he's got a single out now called Paradise that we just recently released that, you know, uh, debuted at Top 40 Radio and we feel has a long, long future ahead of it. And um, he's, you know, not shy about saying that he's making music that's going to have a big impact on, you know, on youth culture and the culture in general. And um, we're super excited about Bozzy too. 
So this is actually the second of two new podcasts uh, this week. We uh, posted uh, earlier this week for King and Country. Uh, so check that out on uh, Billboard.com. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Uh, we always like to wrap with something from the past, John. Yes. Uh, looking over your your career, what's a song you worked maybe early in your career that you still uh, think back and and yeah, that was that was a really fun. It was really fun. I really liked that artist. Really glad that song uh, made it through. Well, you know, there's a, there's a couple of things. One is um, was. Uh, Back in my early days was uh, Backstreet Boys. I want it that way. That was fun, and into and that went into In Sync, uh, Bye Bye Bye, and Baby One More Time. I was say Britney also the, the trifecta right there. Yeah, it was fun. That was like I was young and just getting into it, coming out of radio, and it was you know a hip hop label, you know with you know Tribe Called Crest and KRS One and R Kelly that all of a sudden became this pop powerhouse. So that to me was really. Uh, you know, enlightening, inspiring, energizing. And, um, you know, it was a great first chapter. And then, you know, coming to Atlantic, um, you know, the, the early days of, of Bruno, because he, you know, started out on other people's songs as a feature with Nothing On You, with uh, B.O.B. Um, that was such a great song. And we didn't know what the future was going to hold for Bruno because he was a songwriter at that time and a producer and then started becoming featured on other people's songs. And then Travi, um, Okoye, Billionaire. Um, and then we dropped, you know, Just The Way You Are. And that was a different sounding song at that time. Nothing sounded like Just The Way You Are. And this, you know, so that was the second point in my career where I'd say it was, wow, we really feel like we're breaking something like gigantic here and, and going to have a lasting impact. And, you know, fortunately... Bruno was that artist that was able to do that. John McMahon, honorary boy band member, going back to the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> you can take Justin Timberlake's spot. It's cool. no, you know? no, no, no. I'm not that good. <laughs> on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.